Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. It's time for Startup Office Hours. It's another Tuesday, so thanks for joining me. We're going to spend an hour here together talking about startups, how to build an entrepreneurial vision into a reality. I'm Scott Fox. I'm your host. We're going to be talking about uh, startups, how to raise money, how to build a team, how to find customers, how to validate an idea, minimum viable products, um, and especially today, we're going to be talking about sales. We've got some special guests today. My friends Garrett and Colin are going to be here, and they're going to be talking about their new book, which is called The Unsold Mindset. So we're going to have a good time together, we'll probably go an hour or so. It's lunchtime here in California, so I've turned on my camera to join you uh, here from Startup Land to talk to you folks all over the world. If you're here to join us today, because maybe you've read one of my books, uh, the three in the middle are English, but the others are in a bunch of other languages. So if you're coming from somewhere else, thanks for tuning in. We're live on LinkedIn and on YouTube and on Facebook. And if you're having trouble connecting or uh, commenting or chatting, try one of those other channels. I know LinkedIn Live is a little wonky sometimes, so YouTube uh, is easy to find. YouTube.com slash Scott Fox is the, uh, the URL for that. And we're going to uh, spend some time together uh, working to make your dreams a reality. Why? Well, I, I do this once a month because I'm a big believer in entrepreneurship. I mean, I literally, actually, I think I'm even, yeah, look at that. I'm literally wearing the T-shirt. <laughs> so we're, we're here to help you uh, get to the same place where um, I've found some success online myself. I've, just a quick background, I've been at uh, the Internet startup game for 25 years now. Uh, and uh, my first company raised my first venture round back during dot-com one uh, after finishing grad school at Stanford when a lot of us went into the Internet, right? Um, and since then, I've been involved with a lot of small companies, some large companies as well. These days, I'm mostly an angel investor. And I started writing books several years ago, and I do these shows here because I really have a belief that the, uh, the Internet revolution, the digital revolution, well, it's left a lot of people out unfairly. And there's a lot of information and valuable tools and tips uh, about wealth creation and uh, living the kind of life that you want to live and making a positive difference in the world that are being gatekept, right? There's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on in venture capital circles, uh, especially in Silicon Valley. And um, I'm here to try to open those gates a little bit anyway uh, here today, and we'll spend some time taking your questions. The meat of the show is your questions. We're going to talk to Garrett and Colin here about the unfold mindset as well. So if you have sales questions in particular, uh, happy to hear those. And uh, you can join those. We're going to start uh, open up the chat room here, and uh, your chats will start, uh, chat messages will start showing up here in a moment. Um, and you can contribute if you're on LinkedIn or YouTube uh, and Facebook. Uh, if you're posting there, uh, let us know where you're from and what you want to talk about. And we'll try to get to everybody's questions before we leave. Uh, hopefully we won't be here all day, <laughs> but an hour or so is the idea. So, um, so if you're here today because you want to build something stronger, better, faster, learn how to raise money, learn how to sell better, how to make better connections with your customers, this is all what we do. So um, while I'm thinking about it, let's uh, do a couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, for example, click, please click like and subscribe. Uh, I need to thank our, um, let's see, missing some of my captions here. There we go. So that's me, a little more about me. If you want to join us on camera and ask a question, we'll get to that a little bit later. But here's the URL for that. Uh, we're going to have Garrett and Colin on first to talk about their book. Um, but we will get your questions going as well. And I need to give a big shout-out to those who make this show possible. Now, I run the Orange County Startup Council in Orange County, California, uh, and we've been lucky enough to have great corporate support from a variety of uh, sponsors, uh, and in particular with our show today, 
Um, I want to go out and thank, let's see, I want to thank the Orange County Women's Business Center. This is an SBDC and um, uh, Go, California Go Biz program. And the uh, Orange County SBDC is, um, here's the uh, high-tech logo trailer. There we go. Uh, that's a new resource, especially for women who are looking to start businesses and grow early-stage businesses. And we also have a sponsor named Cake, Cake Equity. Cake Equity is a stock options platform. There it is again. I'll do this one. This is the, the side the side view. There you go. Uh, Cake Equity is a platform based in Brisbane, Australia, and they actually specialize in stock options uh, management and cap table management for early-stage founders. And I'm an, actually an investor in the company. I'm such a fan of it. And they are globalizing the management of stock options for our increasingly globalized world. So if you're looking for stock options, help, cakeequity.com. Okay, so, um, oh, yeah, there, actually there's a discount code for those guys too if you're interested in working, if you need uh, help managing your cap, capitalization tables or issuing options. Um, okay, so that's, let me see if I got housekeeping. Oh, let me, a couple more quick housekeeping notes. We're going to, and then we're going to bring Garrett and Colin on. So this is being recorded. Please behave yourselves. And this is not real legal or financial advice. Uh, this I'm just a guy you met on the Internet, and you're getting exactly what you paid for, which is nothing. So please, uh, this is for entertainment purposes only, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so uh, I think I've covered my intro script here. Okay, so what we really want to talk about today to start with, in general, as you know, this is usually about fundraising. But today I'm bringing on some friends of mine who are uh, authors, and um, there we go, um, who are authors, and these guys are, well, I'll let them introduce themselves real quickly in a minute here, um, and uh, let's see, we'll turn off, we'll go ahead and post your comments in the chat, guys, that isn't loading for some reason, but it will, it will in a minute, I promise, and we're going to bring on my friends Garrett and Colin, and there's one of them, that is Garrett, and there's Colin, there we go, hello, gentlemen, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, I can hear you fine, how about you, Garrett? I'm doing great. Cool. Okay. Happy to, happy to hang out here virtually, Scott. Excellent. How are you doing? Good. Nice to see you guys. All right. So let's see. Colin and I are in Southern California. Uh, sorry. Garrett and I are in Southern California. Colin looks like he's up north somewhere today, but you're in, aren't you in L.A. too? I'm in the great white north of Los Angeles. Yeah, okay. I texted, I texted Garrett and I said, my outfit today is a gift for you. I, guess I would like to caveat this whole making fun of me with saying it's 40 degrees in my garage, uh, which is where my office is. Okay. It's my COVID conversion, and it's freezing in Los Feliz, California. The <laughs> elevation is higher than Orange County. <laughs> with the multiple layers. You're like 50 feet up. Yeah. Literally every foot you want. Yeah, it's so cool. You want to do a space here? <laughs> I mean, like, I, <laughs> All right, no worries. No worries. Well, glad to have you guys here. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to talk a little bit surprise about your book. Um, we'll get some questions in from the audience as well, I think, here. Um, let's see. Here, here's, here's who we're talking to. Yes. All right, fancy graphics. So this is Garrett and Colin. So um, we'll just do five or ten minutes of questions here. We'll see how it goes. But maybe you could start, guys, by just giving me the one or two lines about each of your personal background, just so people know, you know, obviously you're here, my, you're my friends, but who, who are you and why are you in a position to be interviewed here as experts on something? So who wants to go sure. first? Well, maybe, maybe I'll just give kind of the, the joint background, a very quick one, and okay. we'll go from there. So Colin and I are longtime startup sales leaders uh, across multiple companies. We met almost 10 years ago now at a startup called Vidium, which we helped build and ultimately sell to Google uh, back in 2017. 
And so after that exit, people started asking how we did it, and we started finding ourselves on stages and in front of classrooms. And um, that led to USC coming to us and saying, will you guys create a class about this? Because the way you think about sales, the way you talk about sales from a mindset first perspective is something that we haven't really um, seen before, and, and we like it. We think the students will like it too. So we said, hell yeah, we'll do that. So we created a syllabus and went through all the process uh, that academia is so famous for, and we created our class, Sales Mindset for Entrepreneurs, which we have, which has become a really popular class at USC's Marshall School of Business. We're really proud of it. It's uh, probably our favorite two hours of most of our weeks, and uh, we've been teaching that for almost five years. And so that uh, that led to conversations with publishers, and um, maybe we can get into that in the conversation, but. As you mentioned, we just published our book, The Unsold Mindset, through HarperCollins uh, last week, and we're still celebrating and enjoying all of that. Um, and we also are frequent uh, keynote speakers. We travel around often and, and give keynotes to companies and organizations and associations. And we have a little consultancy called Agency 18, and we, we work with a handful of companies from time to time on, on projects as well. What did I miss, Colin? Absolutely nothing. That was one of the comprehensive Uh oh, looks like we're having some technical difficulties. What's going on here? Uh, there he is. There we go. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened okay. there. The magic of the internet. We're going to have to vamp. All right. So cool. Well, thank you for the introduction. So I think the last time I saw you actually was you were keynoting a conference, right? So you guys are doing a lot of speaking these days. Congrats. A lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to the road later this week for, for a while. We're San Diego and D.C. and Honolulu over the next couple of weeks. It's, it's, uh, it's become a big part of what we do. Excellent. Well, that's great. And, and you guys are great speakers, so I'm sure people are going to enjoy that as much as I did last time we saw each other. Uh, I think that was November. Um, okay, well, let's talk about the book. So the book is called The Unsold Mindset. I know I checked it out on, um, on Amazon. It's selling very well. Congratulations. Um, so why did you write this book, and, and how does it apply to entrepreneurs? Because that's really who we're talking to today. Yeah. We, we wanted to change the way that the world viewed sales. And we thought that the best way to do that was to change the way that salespeople viewed themselves. And that was not easy because we believe that everybody's a seller. And it's not like a bad, yucky word. Um, so if everybody, everybody's selling themselves, if everyone is selling a product or a service, that means that everyone is selling at any given moment. So then the question becomes, who's actually the greatest salespeople on the planet. And so Garrett and I, you know, we've been practitioners for a really long time, and we just started noticing that what people thought of when they heard the word salesperson and who actually was out there moving people, you know, making decisions, making an impact, they were completely different. Um, and so we wanted to teach that. We wanted to teach the course that had never, you know, been taught when we were in college. But we, were, we were at video, and there were these people, these, these new entrants into the workforce that were coming out of college, and they were ill-equipped to move people. They couldn't chase their own dreams, right? They, they couldn't ask for promotions. They couldn't build relationships. They weren't, they weren't taught, like, something that was really instrumental. Um, and so we wanted to teach that. And that turned into the book deal, and we're really proud of it. That's amazing. And I know your course is really popular at USC as well because it's teaching skills that are sort of neglected. And, and you guys have a unique take on, 
I mean, you kind of alluded to it there, but do you want to unpack that a little more? I mean, there's a mindset here that you're really trying to explain. I mean, I've had sales training over the years, and it's mostly about, I don't know, kind of, I think the things you're trying to avoid, right? Kind of the yucky, like, go get them, you know, other people's money, yeah. grab it, <laughs> you know, kind of aggressive thing. And your approach is a little different, right? It is. So, you know, you're talking about traditional sales training, and there's a lot of great stuff in traditional sales training. But one of the things that Colin and I noticed is that, you know, everybody in the world, every, every person on this call and, and, and everybody who's on a sales team and everybody who started a company, we all have access to the same books and the same training and the same podcasts. And, and so Colin and I would always ask ourselves, like, why is it that if everybody has access to all of the same training and all the, the basic information on how you're supposed to sell or influence or move people, um, why is it that 20% of people are thriving and the other 80% are always kind of trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, and we came to the conclusion, uh, you know, together and individually that, that great sellers are great, not because of what they're doing, but because of how they're thinking. So there's people here that are on this call today that are going to hear things that Colin says, and they're going to go out into the world and they're going to go, Oh, I know this now. And they're going to potentially fail because they, they just they become knowers and they think this is how it's supposed to be done. And I learned the lesson and that's it. All of these great sellers that we talked to, and, and we talked to, I mean, hundreds over, over the course of the last few years, but especially writing the book, like really uh, amazing people from traditional salespeople to Snoop Dogg and everything in between, like, like people who you wouldn't expect to be sellers. You know, all of them were, were just thinking different. And we got, to, we got to collect all of these things that they had in common and kind of put them into buckets, and, and that's what's become our modality. Interesting. I mean, well, Snoop certainly knows how to sell. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, it looks like we're having a little technical difficulties. You guys are frozen for me on the large screen. I can see you backstage. I'm, I'm going to turn you off and turn you right back on. Let's see if that helps. Okay, hang on. We'll keep going. Okay, so here's me again. Hey, <laughs> so I, at least I can see this. Hopefully the rest of you can as well. Let's bring Colin and Garrett back here and see if this changes the uh, – it can be live again. Okay, that looks a little better. I see you. So you're moving. Okay. Well, maybe that'll perk things up. There we go. Love that internet thing. Okay. So the thing that I'd like to talk most about here is really the, the challenge that entrepreneurs have. Um, because a lot of entrepreneurs are founders who go into a business because they have a love for a product or a service or some problem they want to solve. And that's totally a great way to go, right? You guys know. Um, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily natural salespeople, right? And I've found, because my thing is, you know, you, you guys and I, we overlap a little, right? But my thing is more like the fundraising and the, and the growing of companies. And that forces people who are not natural salespeople to, maybe they're not salespeople, but they still got to do sales, right? So what do you think about that, that conundrum? And, and what kind of advice do you give to founders who find themselves kind of unwillingly, perhaps, <laughs> pushed into a, a persuasion role, let's call it? I mean, that's the inflection point that you're you hear that? Is that just me? Is that an echo? Okay, there we go. That's the inflection point that we ran into really early on in the book. You know, like you're, 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 you're noticing that all of us at some point or another get into a situation where we don't think that our flawed, imperfect, like authentic self is cut for the job. So we pretend Right? We act like the version of ourselves that we think is cut for the job. Right? Right. So like when you right. go to an interview or if you're pitching investors or if you're teaching right. your son to read, you know, like, like what, would, what would a good CEO look like pitching to investors? So you're trying to like, you, 
you, you try to mirror these people. And, and what ends up happening is the audience smells your inauthenticity. Mm, okay. Because these great sellers are so hyper-vulnerable and so authentic, like in math class, right? Like in math class, you didn't just get answers for, you didn't get, you didn't get credit just for your answer. You got credit for showing your work. Mm. Like these, these amazing people, like they show their work. Right? They've given themselves permission to share pieces of them. Most people try to hide. And right. so you can't copy that. And so, you know, you get into this sort of like vicious cycle. So when you think about leaders and you think about entrepreneurs, like how do you get someone to have agency? Like how do you get people to want to fight for you, to run through walls for you? Not, not because you're telling them to do so, but because it's their idea. And the people here is the customer, right? The, the, the client or potential customer. Yeah. What was that? The people, the people in that analogy are the customer, right? You're trying to get them on your side. That's what you're saying? No, the, the, the people and your people. Your own like people. You're a leader, right? We're talking about like, lead, like Garrett and I, when we get bring, brought into keynotes, a lot of times these aren't sales rooms. These are leadership rooms of people without sales in the title that need to de-yuckify the word sales. Okay. And admit that like, they need to sell their ideas and themselves in a way where people aren't in a room with a knower. Like, you know how hard it is to be the smartest person in the room and not want to be the smartest person in the room? You know, <laughs> All the time. Be the, <laughs> I dare it too. To be, the, to, be the person, to be the type of person that wants to ask questions, Right. Versus the type of person that asks questions that they think they're supposed to ask. Like, this isn't easy, you know? And so we've found that the, the unsold, Garrett and I went on this journey, and they did, all of them thought exactly the same. And they didn't know each other at all. And we thought that was fascinating, and hmm. thankfully, so did Harper Tom. <laughs> there you go. The publisher. Very nice. Scott, one other thing that, that's interesting, you know, for the group here is that you, you were talking about is it, is it customers and clients that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Founders have to sell all day, every day. Mm -hmm. They have to sell to investors. They have to sell to potential employees. They have to sell to their existing employees. And, yes, they also have to sell to customers. And so, you know, we always find that, that those founders are, are usually the best salesperson in the room, especially the ones who say they're not sellers, right? I'm a product person. I'm an engineer. I'm a, I'm a strategy person. Those are often the best sellers in the room because they're the ones that put everything on the line to, to start a company. They're the ones that are so passionate about something that they literally left the, the, the rat race, I guess, and, and started a company and are now trying to bring all these people along with them for the ride. So, um, when we talk about selling, you know, we're, we're talking about everybody that's listening to this. That's a great point. And what we did find was that everyone in the book will redefine selling in their own right. Yeah. And what Garrett's talking about is no matter what you call it, you know, this, this act of moving people, right, it is this selling thing. It, might, it means something different to everyone, but it means something to people. Right. Like that's where it started. Right. This like purpose that was attached to what they're selling made them a better seller, which by default meant all the CEOs in the room were the best salesperson in any room because they cared. Like they would talk to people and see the company's purpose in the people they were talking to. They moved differently. You know, they, they became the magnetic person, not because they were an extrovert, but because they saw their purpose in the people they were talking to because they had, Jared said it, they put it all on the line. Right. That's, that's the best seller in any room. That's cool. You're selling me. I was taking notes there. All right. That was good. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Okay. So a, a few more questions here, but let, we're also got folks waiting, I think, to ask questions. So 
Um, people in the, who are backstage, uh, there's a limit of 10. So some of you are um, trying to get in. There's only 10, right? So um, you can also type in your questions in YouTube and LinkedIn comments, right? So we'll try to do both. But Leslie, thank you. Leslie, just put in a question. I'll bring you on camera in a minute, Leslie. Um, looks like who else we got backstage? Sandy and Gertz and Helena and Don and Mariella and Raymond. So there's a chat room, a private chat that you guys can see. If you could type your question backstage in that little chat, which is right, I'm going to type here. I'm sorry, most of you can't see this, but I'm trying to organize everybody offline, online, on camera, off camera. Um, but if um, folks backstage, if you have a question you want to come on camera, please do. But type in the private chat there what it is you want to talk about. And that way I can bring you on in some sort of order. And everybody else who isn't backstage, uh, and I know a bunch of you are trying to get in because I keep getting notices, um, just type it in the public chat, and we'll turn on the public chat in a minute, just on text as well. Okay, so Leslie, you'll be on in a second. Let me, I just have one more question, Leslie. Let me ask my question. Um, so what you guys, what we talked about there was it's fascinating to me because what you're, I, I think what I'm hearing is that you may be, an, uh, to put it in a bad light, an awkward founder who isn't into sales, but I could actually maybe turn that uh, weakness into a strength by, by using the passion that made me a founder in the first place and thinking about sales more as a leadership opportunity in, in a sense of like continuing my mission out into the world, I guess, and convincing not just my team, but, but also potential customers and kind of looking like, here it is, I guess it's a mindset shift. (laughs) Am I on the right track? (laughs) And as I'm looking at the, at the chat back here, maybe it's a good time to have Leslie ask her question. Okay. I think the answer is going to be related to what you just asked. Okay. Let's okay. Leslie, let's see. Leslie, let's go. Uh, and Raymond, that's a great question. That's not for these guys more. We'll bring, we'll bring, um, we'll get to you in a few minutes. Okay. So this is Leslie. Hello, Leslie. Meet Garrett and hey. Colin. Hi. 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 Yeah. So uh, how do I know if I succeeded at selling? I mean, it sounds stupid, but is it persuading them? Is it engaging them? Is it my agenda? Do I have to have the agenda when I approach them? How do I know if it works? I mean, like, for me, that's, I hear you talking. That's the thing that occurs. Yeah. Got it. That is a little different than what I thought your question was going to be. So let me let me answer Scott's question and segue into your question. So Scott, one of the things that we found as we were having conversations with all of these amazing sellers, and, and I don't think we mentioned this, we sort of mentioned the scope of people, but we were talking to lawyers and doctors and actors and artists and and all, all kinds of people who you do not consider a salesperson, but who sell every day. Right. And a lot of them were reframing what selling is because of the stigma that's attached with the word. So some people would say, you know, I'm not, I don't sell. I, I teach people or I don't sell. I solve problems. Or mm. I, you know, but they would reframe it in, in some sort of way. But at the end of the day, they're, they're selling. And what they're doing now to kind of segue to you, Leslie, is they are guiding people to learn more about something, whether it's an idea or a product or a person, or uh, in order to make a decision that's best for them, and, and in order to make their own decision, which Colin alluded to earlier, right, giving them the information that they need to have the agency, the control over their own decision to make the decision that's best for them. Yeah. Um, on the first question, Scott, uh, I just want to point out that introverts are some of the greatest salespeople in any given room because people give them permission to sell. There's a lot of people that don't get permission to sell. The introverts and CEOs and founders, yep. they all do. Like people like 
people are expecting it. Um, and with introverts, they're not expecting it, which is why we give them permission to talk. Because they don't, like we talked to Chef Roy Choi, you know, about like reinventing the entire food truck landscape and selling chefs and selling like gas station owners, all of these things. And he's like, he's like, I don't talk much. But when I do talk, everybody listens. Like everyone gives me permission to speak. And a lot of times, and now this is to your question, what he does better than most people is he asks questions he actually wants to know the answers to. Because he's an introvert, he listens so much, he digests things differently than everyone else. So a lot of times, he's asking someone a question they've never heard before. So, you know, so how do you know when you've been successful? One example is when you ask someone a question that neither of you know the answer to, and that person says, huh, I've never heard that before. I mean, I've never thought of that before. Let me think about it. That person will ideate for the first time in real time on that answer. But whatever that answer is, it's theirs, right? So, like, it's not your answer. You didn't sell them. It's their answer. They bought it. So there's different metrics that you're tracking, but one is, like, how many points are you adding value versus extracting value? As salespeople, no matter who you are, you're always asking for things. Show me, tell me, especially when you're asking questions. How do you add value? Well, one way to add value is by asking a really impactful question. So that's just one data point. But honestly, look, I mean, how do you know you've been successful when you get to sale, right? Like, how do you know you've been successful when, when someone, you know, asks you to sell them? You know, when someone says that's a really good question, when someone – when, when you get a chance to say, I don't know, let me go fight and find the answers for you. And so when you realize people give you more credit for being resourceful than, than they would just for you having the highest level answer, like those are all points that, like, this is a win, right? Like, like I am on the right track to, like, getting a sale regardless of whatever you're doing in your sale cycle is. I see my partner looking at me like, Colin, shut up. You're going on a tangent again. And I just want to make sure I got that last no, that was good. Good stuff. Any follow-up there, Leslie? Did that, did that answer your question or give you some things to think about? Oh, definitely. I'm willing to try it now. But um, I, when you say when you get the sale, suppose I go talk to somebody like Scott. Scott can do a lot of things for me. He can give me advice. He can make me feel better about me, you know, and my product or whatever. He can, he can set me up in a sales uh, an investment thing. So, I don't necessarily have a specific agenda, and there's a lot of things I can get out of it. So when you say make the sale, I don't exactly know what you mean. Well, I'll give you a great example. We interviewed one of the top medical sales reps in the country, and he says the reason he's so good is because he's better at most at asking advice. You know the old sales adage, if you ask for advice, you get money. If you ask for money, you get advice. You know, in the medical industry, especially, like, you, you get thrown into hospitals, you have to ask doctors advice. Like, that's the only way that you're going to survive, and a lot of people in the industry do really well year one because they have to do that, and then they become knowers. They know it all, and then year two, they sink. Hmm. So, you know, how do you, you know, what, what is an example of getting the sale is getting Scott to agree to give you advice. And like that is a that is a proper you asked Scott to make a decision. Scott did. Now when you ask Scott for advice, you'll probably end up leaving with three introductions and way more gold than just the advice. But you you know, your your sale was when he said yes. Right. 
Interesting. Well, I just, uh, there was a great comment backstage. Helena kicked in. This is fascinating. Just bought your book. <laughs> I guess this is working. And Colin, I see behind you there. I see, actually see the book. Can we see the book? There's studies, oh. studies show that, that oh, the physical product. Oh. Oh, there it is. You just got to touch this book physically not that long ago. There it is. Very nice. Um, and it's just, we worked on it like four years. It's our baby. Excellent. You know, like you, yeah, thank you for saying that. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Scott, for giving me a chance to touch it. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so thank you, Leslie. Good to see you. Uh, I'm going to turn you off. Leslie, you're welcome to stick around, of course. Let's, I'm going to turn on the, the uh, text chat and see if anybody's uh, – that might take a minute to warm up um, to the questions coming there. So if you're watching this uh, anywhere online, you can comment uh, on LinkedIn Live or YouTube or Facebook, and it should feed into this chat room here, which is empty so far, but we'll – populate in a moment, I think. Um, let's see here. So, Garrett, looks like you're the host. Congrats. All right. <laughs> um, I okay. mean, I could mute Colin if you talk to him. Exactly. Don't set him up like that. <laughs> that was a mob. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. Trying... exactly how Garrett wants Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Finally. All right. All right. Hold on. There, how's that, Colin? Take care of it. There. Um, okay, cool. So, all right, well, let's um, – so, again, if you have questions, put them in the chat. Otherwise, we're going to move on to fundraising questions because I know people are interested in that as well. I'm not sure why the chat's not working. Usually I have a bunch of uh, questions by now. Um, but I know Raymond and Gertz, you had questions backstage about fundraising, so we'll get there in a minute. But um, what has your experience been like now with the book? The book has come out. Are, are you getting good feedback? Or is, is, is it seem to be selling, people reacting. You're starting to get fan mail? All of the above. Yeah. Uh, it's been an amazing, it, it, we literally, it came out a week ago today, and it's been just an incredible week. Um, you know, we're, we're very bullish on, on sales. We can't wait to see what the, some of the bestseller lists look like uh, later this week or next yeah. week or whenever those come out. Um, and, yeah, here's the, the most fun for me, I keep telling Colin this, is like, you know, it's, it's great when you get feedback from people you know or people in your circle, our former students or even their friends. That's great. But when a random stranger from, you know, South Carolina sends a note on, on social media, um, that, that's really cool when you know that it's, it's out there and it's starting to spread and, and you start to see people in, on Twitter and on, on Instagram, like, using language from the book in, in some of their posts. That is very satisfying and exciting. Sure. Um, so we're really, we're really excited to watch this thing continue to spread. Yeah, well, congrats. That's fantastic. What's, give us an example, a quick example of some of your lingo or your hashtag or something. I'll watch for it out in the wild. Uh, I guess unsold mindsets, one of them, right? I think I posted on LinkedIn using that. That was a combination of words I, I had to come up with before yeah, I met you guys. It's not so much hashtags as it is just some of the words, that, you know, that the fact that great sellers are great because not because of what they do, but because of what they think. Or people talking about intentional ignorance, which is a, a chapter in the book where we talk about how how some of these great sellers um, ignore things that you might expect them not to ignore, and talk about the ways that they do that. Uh, it's just got one that like touched. My, we like we get them all the time now, and like just to be clear, we forgot for the last six weeks why we started this. You know, for the last six weeks, we've been pulled in so many directions, right? This podcast and this show and this workshop and this, and this newsletter and, like, these numbers. And so we haven't had a chance to, like, remember what we, you know, what we remembered throughout the entire process, which is why we wrote the book in the first place. And so we, get, we start to get these messages from strangers, and they know us. 
Right. Because we left so much of ourselves in the pages. Yep. And you see these people know us, reaching out to us, even though we don't know them. And it's like this, uh, this feeling that we've never had before. Yep. But I got this one today. And this, she, she says, I'm listening while I'm doing my creative thought while running, walking, and on a bike. It just infused me with positive energy. I need to make it work. The whole world needs this. It's fundamental, I believe. I mean, just like the words. You know, yeah. these beautiful words. She doesn't know me, but she knows me. Yeah, totally. No, I know, I know that feeling. When my books are the same way, right? When my first book came out, I started getting that, and you, it, it's like these people know me. And I, did you guys record the audio version yet? I think you were. Right, just recently. Yeah, it's, it's on audio. Right. Yeah. Well, wait till it comes out. That comes out because I've there are audio versions of these. In fact, I'm going back into the studio uh, in two weeks to re-record the first one because the rights got messed up somehow when the company transferred. People are listening. Oh, okay. Man. Well, you'll so find you find well, and you and you voiced it your you voiced it yourselves, right? What's that? I said they're hearing how amazing Colin sounds at 1.6 feet. Yeah, exactly. One point. Well, you, I, I highly recommend listening to it at at least 1.2. There you go. At 1.2 is a nice read. <laughs> they, they, they tell you to read slower, but if you are like an audible listener like I am, I never listen to it at once. Right. Because it right. doesn't sound like the normal pace. Right. So. Yeah. Well, you'll find. Really You'll, you'll find that people that listen to the audiobook are even more uh, friendly. Like when I'm, I, I speak and stuff like you guys do, and, and I go to a conference, and people, people who've read the books come up and say, Mr. Fox, nice to meet you, da 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 da, da. People who've listened, spent hours listening to my voice, like in their car, you know, hours and hours and hours, they come up, hey, Scott, how are you? <laughs> you know, it's like, they're like they feel bonded. So you guys, will, I bet you'll notice the same distinction. It's fun. Um, we got one more question here in the backstage. Helena, you want to come on camera? If you want to turn on your camera, we can... Uh, have you join us. Um, otherwise, we'll just do this last one because um, she says, I love the advice about asking. Well, she said, hold on. Okay. Um, she is going to turn on the camera, but it's about cold calls. Just to, You guys can probably see yeah. that, right? Um, Everybody likes talking about cold calls. Yeah. I'm trying to use that approach to find some pilot factories for my That's product. Any advice on how to do that on a cold call? So, Helena, you're welcome to come I on. I missed it. Sorry, you, you, you cut out. What would you say? She's looking for advice on how to find some pilot factories for her product by cold calling. That's pretty specific. I have, a, I have an answer to start, which is very tactical. Typically not what we like to talk about, but it's a tactical question, so I can give a tactical answer. Sure, go ahead. And, Helena, turn on your camera if you can. Go ahead. What? I said, Helena, turn on your camera if you can. Um, when you start out and you're looking for pilots, a key distinction between partners and customers means a lot. Like, and, and, and defining what a partner is versus a customer. Because when you do call people, especially when they're not expecting your call, um, there needs to be like a real reason other than, you know, you taking, extracting, right? like wanting. There she okay. is. This must be Helena. Hello, Helena. So, so when you have conversations with people around letting them know you're not looking for customers, right? Letting them know that, that what a partner means to you is a seat at the table, right? Like it, it's, you are expecting things from that, right? Because in return, you are going to obviously give them something that most people won't get, right? Which is an opportunity, probably at a discounted price. I mean, who knows, right? But pilots are pilots, yeah. right? Um, and so we have found that really drawing a clear line between a partner and a customer at the onset is really important. And then remember with cold calling, 
It's a game of prolonged gratification. So your job is to earn the right to be on that call for the next 10 seconds. And there's a lot of that's going to go on, but just remember that your finish line should be how quickly can the person realize you're a real person and not the persona of the cold caller. That's, that's the first goal. That's, that's your finish line. The good news is they don't know that's your finish line. They think your finish line is to get them to say yes to something. So, you know, call them and say, hey, this is Helena from Acme Corp. Have you heard of us? Have you heard of us before? They'll say no, right? And then you get to go, okay, let me back up. Let me tell you why I'm calling, and then you can tell me if we should even stay on the phone. You'll earn the right for the next 10 seconds, right? Because then they're like, okay, at least she's a real one. She gave me permission to get out, right? I'll give them 10 seconds, and I'll hang up in another 10 seconds. But then you'll be better. Because you'll talk about partners versus customers, you know, and, and, and you'll show your work. Yeah. And, you'll, and you'll talk about the process of why you chose to reach out to them versus everybody else in their vertical. Like that, you know, there's a good book on it. <laughs> Could you recommend a book, Colin? I'm looking at it there. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, like in the, the beginning, it's uh, um, outside of my element about my product, but problem I'm trying to solve, but product, I need it's, um, yeah, it's a little this is this is excellent yeah excellent have a little trouble hearing you so we're going to move on but thank you helena and thank you for being here and glad you bought the book i'm sure they appreciate it uh and uh guys i think we're probably going to wrap up here i got a bunch of fundraising questions coming on um anything any last words of advice or uh brilliant insights we, we, we are easy to find. We are on, you know, as ourselves on LinkedIn. We're at Colin and Garrett on Twitter and Instagram. And if, if anybody has questions that they didn't ask for whatever reason, find us, ask us. We are happy to help. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, thank you both. It's great to see you. And congrats on the book. I think it's going to be great. I've learned a few things, and uh, I was literally taking notes, right? So I, I presume there are lots of people around the world doing the same right now. Uh, and the replay will be going on for a while. So if you're watching this later in the replay, I'm sure the book will still be available. <laughs> the guys might be too. <laughs> <They> will. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you both. Great to see you. Hope to catch up with you again soon. Thanks, Scott. Bye, guys. Okay, so that is my friends, Garrett and Colin, and they have a great new book you might have heard about. So if that sounds interesting to you, um, I think it should be. And the reason I had them on and the reason I hopefully you caught some of this, right? Sorry for the technical difficulties, obviously not my fault or my, my, under my control. Um, but the reason I had them on is they think about sales differently, right? And like I said, the, the classic problem for sales in the startup context is the, um, is the founder who is out of their comfort zone and having to recruit people, which is a sales process, or recruit investors, which is a sales process, or of course recruit customers, all of which are sales, different types of sales processes, right? And um, they really reframe the issue to be a, more about being yourself and finding kind of your zone and approach. And um, I really like some of the things they said. So 
Um, I hope it was useful to you. And if uh, send me some feedback if you'd like. Um, there's a contact form at scottfox.com, of course, and that's the easiest way to reach me. And uh, let me know if you thought that was useful. And, of course, if it was really useful, then you can just contact them directly. They're looking for keynote uh, speaking gigs and uh, happy to, you know, do media appearances and stuff like that because they're promoting the book. So thanks again to Garrett and Colin. Okay. All right, so let's get on to some of our um, – our uh, fundraising questions like we usually do. I don't know why the comments aren't showing up today, which is annoying because I know a lot of you are out there um, leaving comments, but the comments are uh, not showing up for some reason. So um, let me just test one here. Let's see if mine even shows up. Yeah, well, that worked for me. So, um, okay. So let's hope the rest of you are out there and um, can't post messages to some channels. No kidding. Uh, read, reply. Okay, I'm not sure what's going on there, but Restream is awesome. Hold on. Okay, I'm not sure what's going on there, but it looks like our, our chat is not working very well today, and I apologize for that. That's a lot of the fun of this show, isn't it? Okay, but luckily we have some people backstage, so we're going to bring on uh, Gertz and uh, Don and um, let's see who else was back there. Um, Let's see, maybe Amkar or Mariella, if you guys have questions, I uh, need you to turn on your uh, cameras. And uh, Gertz, looks like you would be up next because I see your camera is on, and I think you had a question about some fundraising stuff. Let's see. Okay, here comes our friend Gertz. Let's see. There he is. Hello, Gertz. Yeah, hi. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. Where are you? Where, where are you? I am I'm in uh, Portugal. Portugal, excellent. Well, buena dia. So. Uh, yes, baby. I I, uh, I know how it's uh, how it how it's good morning and thank you. <laughs> but uh, I have uh, I, I I came uh, for a web summit in in Lisbon with a startup and uh, I'm staying here and just continuing developing it and we are just. Uh, just uh, incorporated and uh, finishing the demo product. We want to do some videos as well, uh, just to present it better. And then we need to uh, start um, finding some uh, finances, you know, to, to, to keep on developing the product. And I'm just curious how is this uh, process? And uh, I understand, you know, I need to have a, like a, some, at least some contact list, but, you know, it's been really busy actually doing the development work. But then again, I need to book a few days a week just to focus on fundraising. But it's at least uh, today when I want to finish this as good as possible. Uh, it's uh, a little bit, uh, I mean, development is uh, more important, but uh, as well, fundraising is really close and really not need to focus on it. Maybe some strategies and what are the best steps to move in. Yeah, so you're you're being torn between development work and raising money. Is that kind of where, what you're asking about? I mean, uh, yes, the development work has been going, you know, for uh, quite long, you know, and, and, and for a few years, but now uh, because uh, of uh, we have connected with the customers and reached out to them, and um, oh, good. now as well, actually, the AI is really helping uh, with the development. We can do, like, uh, uh, actually some uh, things we couldn't before do, and and, uh, and now we are just, uh, you know, 
we want to finish this uh, demo process. We want to finish the demo product when we do reach out to our first customers. We give them uh, the product for free, mm -hmm. and uh, we want to record uh, interviews to basically find out about the business, and then we can kind of help to promote all kinds of uh, vintage companies that uh, some companies, um, uh, they, they, the product, their product and services, basically. I see. Okay. And uh, and obviously, the, there is this thing that we need some financing because, you know, we, we cannot go really forever like this, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the money disappears for quickly, for sure. Okay, well, congratulations, first of all, on the progress you've made. It sounds like you've got something real going on. Um, and, and really, congratulations on talking to customers because so many people get so heads down on their development that they forget to talk to customers, right? And you need to talk to customers to adjust your course and make sure that they're going to be there and ready to buy when it's time. Um, I, if I'm getting your question right, I, I think I would adopt a similar approach with investors. Investors, investors also need to be cultivated, and you also need to develop relationships over the medium and long term. Um, it's kind of, people are kind of spoiled by the retail credit market where they're like, are they going to go buy a car and then they go apply for a car loan that day and get approved the same day, right? Or even a mortgage on a house may take a couple weeks, but you know, you know who, the, who to talk to and you know you can get a mortgage if you have good credit. It's just a matter of paperwork really, right? I mean, I, investing with angel investors or venture capitalists is more like long-term customer development. You can't just walk in like to a bank and, uh, you know, hand in the paperwork and expect to get money. And I, you probably know this, Gertz. I'm just kind of, you know, giving the context for everybody listening. You really got to think longer term. So I think I would um, – we're talking about mindset today. I guess earlier we were talking about sales mindset, but now we're talking about investor mindset. Really think about developing potential investors the way you sound like you've been developing customers, right? Take 10 or 20% of your time and – identify, do some really good research and identify 10, 20, 30, 50 potential investors. Like really spend some time on research, right? That's where people really miss the game. They think that all investors are the same and we're not. We all have different interests and objectives and timelines and, you know, all, all kinds of different factors. But look at that and create a list and then gradually figure out how you can get to know them. I think about finding investors a lot like learning a language, actually, in the sense that you can't just fly into Portugal and suddenly expect to learn Portuguese, even if you listen to some tapes for 48 hours straight, right? That's not going to work. You've got a kind of constant exposure over time. It's like dating. Um, and if you can identify the right people so that it doesn't feel like you're spamming them, um, you know, people that are already interested in your sector, maybe have some previous investments that demonstrate their interest in that sector, um, and you can kind of gradually make friends. And face-to-face -face is a great way to do it, like Web Summit, right? That's, for those who don't know, Web Summit is a massive conference in Portugal every year, all around Internet-y sort of stuff. Um, you know, if you can't meet them face-to-face, -face, try online. Uh, you know, the small, a lot of small touch points is going to be better over time than trying to suddenly show up with a finished product and a, and a, a request for money because that's just – it's kind of like dating, right? You just show up and you want to get married. Like, who are you? <laughs> so – is that helpful? Is that the kind of thing you're 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 worrying about? No, that, that's what I was getting after because I I, I see the process and that's mm -hmm. how my communication is going and, and 
I have been accepted in some uh, programs, uh, Microsoft uh, founders are now uh, oh, in Europe, in Germany as well. But, and that's how it goes. It's like today we, we were supposed to have a meeting and it's postponed for one week and the process is like, uh, yeah. like, like, like somewhere. Yeah, no, that's somewhere right. In the future. Yeah. Yeah, well, they have no urgency. That's the problem, right? There's this huge mismatch between founder needs and, and corporate needs, right? They're in no hurry. They get paid anyway, right? And, in fact, the longer they stay, the more they get paid. They're fine, <laughs> right? And it's the opposite for us, right? The longer we stay, the more we run out of money. So it's this kind of cross-purposes, like, ah, yeah. So go ahead. But what are some of the most effective methods that, for me, when I communicate with uh, potential or just to network, you know, just to, to show myself and uh, what are some kind of aspects, you know, I can uh, bring up or I sh there are some new, okay, one is the, uh, just, the, the, just managing the relationship and communication, but maybe there are some, uh, some extra things, you know, I can, I can bring on the table to, to uh, just build a better uh, image around uh, me as the founder and around as well as uh, around our startup as that. Right, right. So these are these are great questions, Gertz. I'm glad you're thinking about this stuff. The uh, and I don't have a silver bullet, right? This is it's like dating, right? You 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 meet someone and you get to know them, and sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes a long time, sometimes it doesn't, right? It's it, there's no clear. This is not a mathematical engineering type problem, right? This is a human problem uh, or opportunity, I guess you could say some bullet points that might be helpful are, and you may be doing this, so I apologize if, if you are already, but investors eat numbers, right? So that's what we live on. So to the extent you can generate metrics of any kind, that's much more interesting to us than, hey, w you know, we might have a partnership with Microsoft, right? If you can say something like we have a, well, obviously having a partnership is better than might have a partnership, but, you know, something that generate, you know, we're going to meet, we're going to meet, uh, you know, 50 new customers and those 50 new customers have a potential of generating, you know, if 10% of them take it up, we might generate an extra 300,000 MRR. So, you know, just like equations like that stick, that's what investors work with, right? And if we start tracking you, it's one thing to track based on um, feel-good stuff, which is better than no nothing, right? Way better, right? But, you know, vague announcements about partnerships or, you know, we're speaking over here or, um, we might get accepted are way different than numbers. And if you can have both, which are good things and numbers, and then feed them to us on a regular basis, just bite size, right? Like one, you know, PDF a year of six pages of like your annual report is not going to get read. But if you split that into uh, maybe every three or four weeks, sending a three bullet point summary, that might gradually penetrate the inbox of our heads. Uh, especially if we can see a trend of numbers that are uh, in a positive direction. How's, how's that? Is that? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Now this is uh, this, this uh, few last points. They are very useful. I can actually focus on them and then just to go out and see how long and then what are some how can we attract more and faster customers. It, 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 it's good for mindset. Excellent. Thanks, I appreciate. It. No, you're welcome. That's great. Nice to meet you. So we're going to bring on a couple more people. Mariella is here's Mariella too. Hey, Mariella, nice to see you. And then we're going to um, Eugene and Don. Uh, if you can type in the back chat or turn on your cameras, let me know you want to come on. Then we will do that in a moment. 
So goodbye to Gert. And, uh, nice to meet you. And Mariella, what would you like to talk about today? Oh, I, you need to unmute. We got the video fixed. Now no audio. Right. There we go. All right. <laughs> so uh, similar, I think I'm in a similar uh, process as your last guest. I'm, okay. I guess I need to determine, you know, uh, where to find the right investors mm -hmm. and what the next step is for me and, um, and you know, where, like, the uh, technology that I've, you know, is pretty much developed, and now I'm ready to go to what's called kind of like an, a beta or an alpha mm -hmm. um, uh, testing uh, to make sure everything's working properly. And um, while in that process, I was uh, hoping to track down some investors who might be, you know, interested in in um, in such uh, product or or technology. Yeah. And so I guess it's um, just, you know, where do you go to find investors that, you know, that are, that would be appropriate? Yeah. And, and that's a great question. And it's, it's a hard one for everybody. Um, every founder struggles with this. And the problem is not only is it difficult, the answers change every three to six months, right? Because market changes yeah. and personnel turnover and, you know, whatever. They make other investments or competitors or they get acquired or, right? It's a moving target and it's very complicated. So, um, okay, so the general answers are um, Google. No, you knew that. <laughs> you know, Google, Google like crazy. Crunchbase. Crunchbase is a – crunchbase.com is a um, listing of um, – uh, investors. Um, it, it's pretty expensive though. Or pitch book. Crunch. Crunch. Yeah, like bite. Crunch base. Crunch <laughs> okay. base. Crunch base. Or pitch book. And when you say Google, mm -hmm. I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you type in investors? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, so, okay, that's a good question. Um, you would really be looking for keywords around what kind of investor you want, right? Because per my last discussion there with Gertz, not all investors are the same. So sure. you're probably looking, and I don't know you or your business, but early stage, uh, aerospace, pre-seed, angel investor or venture capital firm, mm -hmm. or, you know, and your may or may not be aerospace. Obviously I just picked that, right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, software, consumer products, whatever it is. And the more specific you can get, the better results you're going to get. You have an additional advantage, obviously, as uh, you're, you're presented as a woman. So you could be a, you know, women founders are a hot thing these days, right? There's a lot of, of potential female founder support out there, which could be great. So you could add that in as well. Um, and then the, uh, whole, uh, the whole world of investors is a matter of sifting through moving, moving haystack, finding needles, I guess, or some metaphor in there. Um, and uh, it's challenging. So you just get dig and dig and dig. Now, the problem is that a pitch book costs something like $4,000 a year, um, and Crunchbase is very expensive as well. So it's really out of reach for most founders. Um, so, yeah. so I have a solution actually, this is a perfect setup. I don't know Mariella, but let me share my screen. Um, let's see. I like solutions. Thank there you. There you go. Look at this. <laughs> this is, can you see that? So startupinvestorsdirectory.com. Mm. Is that showing? No, it's not. I don't see it. Oh, okay. Well, there's screen sharing. It's not working. Oh, maybe I need to turn it on. Here we go. How about that? There. Look at that. 
StartupInvestorsDirectory.com. So believe it or not, this is such a common problem that I built a site for this. And this, okay. is, this is the only resource that I know of that we have over 1,000 investors so far listed. And um, you can search, as you can see here, will it demo in real time? I've never done this before. Can you see the scroll down, the pull down that I'm doing yeah. here? Okay, mm-hmm. so, so look, 40, almost 50, I think, different categories. Female founders, okay. fintech, food, hardware, Latin, LGBTQ, media, medical, robotics, rural, veterans, like everything. This is the only resource in the world that I know of. And then it, once you do that, if you pick one of those, say analytics, you can pick a stage uh, or you can do just by keyword or location, you know, any of the things that, all the things that should be out there that apparently aren't, um, we, built, awesome. we built that. Um, and it's affordable. It's $99 or something like that. It's, 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 we, ha- we have to cover the costs, right? But I built that yeah. specifically for people like you, actually, Mariella, because I remember when I was a founder, exactly, how do you find the right people? And yeah. found, so many founders get discouraged because they have a bunch of meetings and it's no, 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 no. And that may mean you're crazy or it's a bad idea, or it may just mean that you're in the wrong room, right? You didn't yeah. find the right people to pitch, right? And mm-hmm. anyway, that's we're trying to make uh, finding investors more transparent, more accessible for everybody. So that's startupinvestorsdirectory.com. Yeah. Uh, and you it's know, worth I a trial. I think that you should start like a shark tank. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, this is this is about as close as I've come. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. We do do pitches on here sometimes. That, that would be fun. Yeah, like um, an like an OC start. You know, Shark Tank. I know. Right. You're in OC like I am. Oh, right. You're here too. Okay. Yeah. Well, we we, we we're doing some of those actually. If you're here in Orange County, there's some events coming up. Um, if hopefully you're on our mailing list locally, and there are several good events coming up. Irvine Tech Week is coming at the end of March. So like a whole bunch of events right here in Orange County. Okay. I saw that. Yeah, I think in fact I'm uh, I'm signed up for that. Excellent. Okay. Well, I hope that helps. I mean, it's it's a, it is a long road. Don't be too hard on yourself. You just got to keep banging on the door, right? Um, but you can really benefit by having done the research first, so that at least you're knocking on doors that might be relevant. That's that's where most people miss. They just spend whatever you if you have you know whatever fifty hours to spend on this, and they spend like 35 of them just spraying out, you know, pitches to anybody that they hope will listen. And if yeah. it's that old thing, I like, I really don't want to do that. But what concerns right. me and, and perhaps you can, you can help me with that as well is that, um, you know, being a startup and, um, and, you know, pitching your product essentially hasn't, hasn't really, you know, gone to market yet. Um, to a bunch of people, mm-hmm. the common fear I would have, I would presume is that um, is that somebody's going to you know obviously pick up yeah. and take your idea you know yeah. and you've pretty much done all the work on the back end of it no right. research and so on and so forth so we just be like oh wow that's a great idea okay I'm going to take it you know and so yeah. it's um uh that's that's kind of like the apprehension yeah well that's a reason it's a it's a legitimate concern. On the other hand, I would say two things, uh, and then we'll have to bring some other folks in. But one is um, you got to do it anyway, right? That's the answer. Mm-hmm. But the other answer is you're doing this because you have a belief. You found some personal passion based on personal experience that's caused you to do something most people wouldn't do, right? You've already taken a huge risk. 
And that means that you're the person to do this. So I don't even know what it is, but you're doing it. I'm not doing it. You could tell me everything you know about it, and I still wouldn't execute it the same way you would because you are the one that's invented this, right? And you are the one who, who, who sees that the world needs to change in this way. And that's about you. That's about Mariella. And you could disclose everything. Um, but most investors, honestly, they're not looking to do things. They're looking to invest in things and then sit back and have you do the work. Right? So they're not looking for ideas to steal. They're looking for passive income, right? And if you can walk in and say, I'm the person, I'm going to kick ass, we're going to grow this like this, and if you give me a dollar, I'm going to give you back a thousand in three years, they're going to go like, awesome, you know, and, and they don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I, you know, I, that, that's, that's your thing, right? So, yeah, I would be careful, you know, disclosing to people who might be more in your situation, like they're entrepreneurs who are hungry, they're looking for something to do. But that isn't usually who you get when you talk to investors. You get people more like me who have done a bunch of stuff, and now we're looking for, you know, kind of diversifying our income streams and investing and, you know, and, and, and betting on people that we know, like, and trust. And that's why you need to get to know the investors, like I was telling Gertz. So, I don't yeah, know. I mean, my biggest, the biggest caveat is, like, obviously I'm looking for somebody who understands and, you know, you know who understands, you know, my business and what I'm about to approach them about because they'll understand, like, mm-hmm. the whole business model and all this other stuff. Um, and that being said, it'd be super easy for them to just, like, you know, and so that's the African, you know. Yeah. I'd want to find somebody obviously that understands and knows, you know, knows about, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then, yeah. But, but you're right. I mean, I have to do either way. And, um, and, and so I, you know. Soon, I, sooner I the better. We'll be back. Yeah. Sooner the better. <laughs> All right. So Eugene, you just turned your camera off. Did you want to come on and join us? Um, uh, we were talking too long there. Do you want to join us, Eugene? Oh, here's Eugene. Let's see what Eugene has to say. Hey, there we go. Hey, Eugene. Okay, Marilla, it was nice to see you. Good to see you. And uh, okay. All right, go ahead, Eugene. Where Where are you checking in from? Oh, okay, great. Yeah. All right, nice to meet you. What's What's on your mind? Actually, that's the thing. Uh, uh, to do the conversation with uh, the story with uh, beautiful lady. Uh, well, yeah, uh, you know, Andrew is a startup investor, directory, founds, uh, and you know, there's a many lists. Uh, and uh, I found out back to 2015, 2016, this new phrase, a project.
Cold calls don't work, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to know someone. The story is to someone. And uh, then you have to respond. Uh, that became very uh, challenging because they don't talk to the uh, investor director. So you are there on someone in the world. And uh, it is super important to let this middleman, I call it cold middleman, 100% understand your business model, mm-hmm. be able to use uh, 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 really a word to actually describe you know, it's my fault. Yes. So what's your so what's your question? You're, I agree with everything you're saying. What's your question that I can help you with? Well, my question is how to stop that problem. No, okay. intelligence, hopefully, <laughs> instead of artificial. Fair enough. Well, I'll validate everything you're saying. I mean, um, it is hard, and things have gotten a lot harder. You're right. Like 2015, especially, an angel list is a great point, Mariella. That's one you could look at, and everybody, angellist.com or angel.co, I think it is even. Um, I was active. Actually, I'm a perfect example. I was very active on angel list back in that time period um, because it was new and it was exciting, and you could find some good deals. Um, but like everything else, it's gotten more crowded and there's many other alternatives. Uh, and I don't invest on AngelList. Yeah, I don't think I've done anything there this, this past, in a year probably. Um, just because it's so crowded and there's so many other things you can be doing. Um, so, yeah, I don't, unfortunately, Eugene, I don't have a great answer for you. Like, like with Eugene and Gertz, I mean, you kind of know the answer. You, you found a, a trusted middleman can be very helpful. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that they need to know your business 100%. Although, of course, that helps, right? But for anybody to know the business as well as you do, they're going to have to be a partner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, in, and in between might be um, someone who, like lawyers. Lawyers are great intermediaries, right? Because they do this kind of fundraising all the time. If you find a, the right lawyer, right? I don't mean a divorce lawyer or your cousin who, you know, does personal injury law or criminal law, but a, a real startup attorney, um, and if anybody needs references for those, I know a lot of them. I'm happy to help. Uh, a lot of them are sponsors for us. We're happy to help. Um, but find, Or accountants also. People who work in this space all the time, they will have the relationships um, with investors that they can kind of more casually say, I know Eugene. I know enough about, I know like 20% of his business, right? And there, But that would still be a credible uh, introduction perhaps. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that doesn't disagree with what you said. It's just kind of a modification. Um, but yes, having warm introductions is the way to go. The other shortcut uh, is, and it doesn't always work, but you know, we do what we can, um, is what I was saying to Mariella. It's a lot about research. So it's one thing if you cold call a firm um, that where they don't have a demonstrated history of investing in your sector. Let's say you do uh, aerospace software, all right, and you're a pre-seed uh, at the pre-seed stage. So if you cold call a firm that does consumer products at the B, B and C stage, well, of course it's not going to work, right? But if you can identify a firm that really does what you do, 
there is a natural lane there, right? And even if you, because this is the other thing people forget when you do business development, which is what fundraising is, you contact a firm, you're never going to get the managing partner. Like you're not going to get the CEO on the phone right away, right? If they're a firm of any size, they're going to have levels, right? There's going to be the managing partners and the, the venture partners and then maybe some VPs and some principals and some analysts. Cold calls go to the analysts or even a summer intern, right? And those people don't have any authority, but you got to get through them to get passed up the chain, right? So the problem is if you cold call and you get the analyst and you are in a different sector, of course they're going to bounce you. But if you cold call a firm that does your thing at your stage and you get the analyst, the analyst might, maybe, might at least say, oh, well, we do aerospace and this is aerospace. I will pass this up to the principal or to the VP, right? And by doing research, you can kind of leapfrog a little bit. Uh, and sometimes in a smaller firm, and especially with angel investors, there aren't all those layers. So if you hit me as an angel investor and you say, I do aerospace, you know, and I'm looking for seed money for aerospace venture, like I'm not interested at all. I don't do aerospace. Good luck. Sorry. You know, I won't even answer the email. I get too many of them. But if you hit me and say, hey, I've seen – that you've invested in four other companies that do, you know, yoga studios or whatever it is, and it looks like you've made some money. I mean, you wouldn't say that, but you target somebody who's already had success in that space. That's not really a cold call anymore, right? It's an educated guess, <laughs> and that, that can get you farther along, right? So that's mm -hmm. part of why I, I'm, I'm not here to pitch our own stuff, but I did build it to try to help that startup investors directory I'm talking about. That's why we built that because you can, we're trying, we've got a thousand investors in there now. Hold on. I'm trying to put the Chiron back up. Um, we're, we're trying to give you guys, where is it? There it is. Um, there. Um, that lists their portfolios, right? So you can go in and by keyword, you can go in and say aerospace and you get a bunch of aerospace investors and then you can refine it and say series A level. And then we'll shrink it down before. And you might only get like two, but those two do what you need done. And that is a totally different mm -hmm. thing. So that's what I'm trying to do with this website. So anyway, long answer to a short question. <laughs> is that helpful? Was that helpful? Okay. We'll do one more quick one. We've got a couple more, and then we're going to wrap up. What's the, what's the follow-up? Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. My product has the idea to develop local energy. has the customer pay the trial, and they are like, and they have a virtual trial on uh, stand from the provider. In the matter of this, we have the most shopping experience, right? Okay. So, we're ready to grow. No. So, but our funding is kind of you know, behind. So we have seen the state. I'm looking for two minutes on the right? So now I'm, my question is, how should I position my company in the growing company? We should raise the minimum, like at uh, uh, A1, or still uh, uh, define my company as the uh, early stage, before revenue, uh, and the uh, Right, right. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, no, that's a that's a tough equation. So you have no revenue, zero. No, okay, okay. Yeah, so that that's a that's a hard question to answer. 
here's what I would say. Um, if you try to raise, say, a VC-type round of like $2 million or 3 or $5 million, like a real round with zero mm-hmm. revenue, you're, no one's going to – it will not succeed these days, right? So I don't think you have a choice. Uh, and, again, I don't know you. you <laughs> this is not professional advice, but just trying to help as a guy that we just met in the chat room. Um, I think you probably need to raise an angel round because those people – from people you know and start with 100000 or something – just to show that you have convinced someone other than yourself that this is real uh, and use that money. And you know, you're going to need more. The first thing that investors are going to say is why would we give you a hundred thousand dollars? We know you're going to need, you know, a million in eight months. He's like, yeah, I know, but what, but, but that's reality, right? And we're here to talk about reality. So let me get going. I'll give you a great deal. You know, valuation is good, or you can have warrants on top of that. Or like give them a really sweet deal because you just need to get going. Right. And um, what I often, this is very common discussion I have with founders all the time. And it's, it's probably that, you know, they come to me and say like, if I had $1.8 million, you know, boom, we're, we're amazing. I'm like, okay, but you can't get $1.8 million. So how about you target around for 200? Hopefully you can raise 300 and then you can say you're oversubscribed. You look really popular, but, and you do that in your projections, you show, you know, we raised 200 or 300 and, you know, 10 months later, we're going to raise a million. And everybody knows that. Don't hide it because we know, right? You know, you can't go very far on 300 grand, especially if you have a team. Um, and just, this is the plan. And if, you know, if still nobody will buy it, then I, I don't know what else to tell you. But doing anything else, I don't think will be worth your time because nobody's going to give you two or five million bucks when you have no revenue these days. It's just, it's not, ha- unless your technology is so unbelievable, right? In which case you're, you need to get on an airplane and, and, and really just go and, I don't know, find Mark Zuckerberg and <laughs> make him buy it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, all right. Well, I hope that's helpful. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a challenge, but, but that's uh, hopefully some optimistic uh, approaches. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Eugene. Nice to meet you. All right. So let's go back here. We're going to have to wrap up here. We're over uh, um, 75 minutes here. So, Okay, so we've got a couple things on the chat room wasn't really working, but we had a couple more in the chat, and I'll do those before we finish up. And by the way, thank you for watching. If you're watching this, um, I'd love to have you here and uh, do this because uh, I, I'm honestly trying to help people. Um, and if you haven't liked and subscribed, please do. That's all, that's all I get out of this, <laughs> essentially, is liking and subscribing, but we're trying to reach more people. So um, a couple clicks do make a difference, and uh, over time they add up, and that's how the algorithms work, right? So if you're on LinkedIn, please like and follow the Startup Council, and if you're on YouTube, click the subscribe and all that kind of stuff, right? And if you have comments also, if you're watching this especially during the replay, you can put questions in there, and we'll try to come and answer those uh, on YouTube and LinkedIn as well. Happy, happy to try to help. Um, there's the Chiron for that. There we go. Uh, actually, that one. Okay, so let's do a couple more. Marielle and Don both had some questions in the chat room. And um, let's see. There we go. Okay, so Marielle says, um, well, back to the startupinvestorsdirectory.com that I was selling. Uh, how many of that thousand are active investors? Uh, as far as we know, all of them. Um, it, it's really hard to tell uh, how active an investor is. In my next book, actually, I'm going to have a, probably a whole discussion about this. Because it's hard to tell when a fund is truly active, right? Um, venture capital funds tend to operate on a six to eight or 10-year timeline. 
So if a fund is like eight years in, they're probably not as active as they pretend, even though they still are happy to take out to lunch, right? They need to look busy. <laughs> um, if a fund has just raised their fund, then they're probably more active. But that information isn't easily accessible. And even if their fund is near the end of its lifespan, they might have raised another one or be in the process of raising one. So it's very hard to tell is the short answer. Um, angel investors are a little easier to tell, uh, particularly if you know them, because you might figure out what they're invested in. Uh, if they were big into, say, crypto <laughs> or tech stocks last spring, they probably lost a crap load of money in the market crash. So they're probably not as active right now as they would have been a year ago. Um, so that kind of thing is, that kind of research, it's hard to tell. Um, and then how are they qualified? Uh, the investors in that directory are people that we're finding on the internet. So they are as qualified as they appear to be by the website. The team that I have uh, out there researching is only looking at funds that disclose portfolio investments. And uh, that means they have real money, as far as we can tell. Um, but uh, there's no, uh, we're not doing deep due diligence. We're more just trying to get things uh, sorted so people can find them at all. Over time, I expect it to grow, especially as investors start to submit their own information. It should get even better. Uh, we only have 1,000 so far, but we're going to, uh, aiming for three or 4,000 in there over time. So it should be, it should be really useful. And um, as far as I know, there's no alternative, essentially, that's affordable for founders. That's literally why I'm doing this. So that's startupinvestorsdirectory.com. Okay, and then I think our last uh, question today, Don said, uh, Don said, I can't speak right now, but uh, based on your personal experience, how do you know when an investor is in lockstep with your vision and won't be a distraction after the project starts? Well, that's, that's a good question, and it uh, sounds like you might be talking about personal experience there, Don. Uh, the <laughs> distracting investors are certainly a problem. Um, how can you tell? Well, you can't really. People change over time, right? Even in a, a perfect, uh, perfect partner, uh, this year might be a problem in three or five years. Who knows, right? We can't predict the future. But it comes down, again, I think, to research and really building a relationship. So finding a firm that has a track record of investing in your kind of stuff uh, and I would really check references. The, there's no reason you can't do that. I was working with a, a founder, this is about, it was during the pandemic, so maybe two years ago, and he got this great offer uh, from a VC firm back east, and they were going to give him some money and then without getting into too many details. But basically, when he tried to pursue, they wouldn't give him any references. So that's weird, right? Uh, and it turned out it was a scam, no surprise. So you really want to talk to firms and get to know them, uh, but not just know them, check references also, because we all know there's plenty of charming people in the world who can't back it up, and especially can't back it up with a real check, especially if you're talking six or seven or eight-figure money, right? So I would really check references. It's a perfectly legitimate thing to do. Any real investor will be happy to have you talk to other founders that have taken their money and give you feedback. If they're not, then I'd stay away. That's, that's the main thing I would do. And, and honestly, this is not rocket science. This is just as if you were going to hire a plumber or a house painter or get a referral to a doctor. You want to find somebody who has experience and a track record with people that you trust. So um, I would. that's the main thing I would do. And then, of course, there's just Google. You can always search, and you can search a firm or an individual's name and add the word scam or problem or lawsuit or fraud and see what shows up, and you might be surprised. Um, I've done that once or twice and found out that people had uh, who were seemed particularly legitimate. Turned out there was a whole bunch of uh, 
they have a, quite a history of lawsuits, right? And it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't clear whether they were right or wrong, but honestly, I don't know. I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't want to be involved with people who are involved with lawsuits, right? So that kind of research, again, is, is yours for the taking, and it's free online these days. So I would definitely do that. Um, and finding investors that have an expectation. Uh, last thought, I could talk about all these things for a long time, but last thought would be I would be very clear about their time horizon. Uh, with a professional venture firm, you pretty much have an expectation that they're going to be along for three to five to eight years. But even they will start to pressure you for an exit, meaning a, a sale or a public offering or an acquisition or something like that, so they can get their money back because their funds are supposed to return their capital with returns after that certain amount of time, right? But of more concern is angel investors and even more concern is friends and family who aren't professional type angels. They're just random angels who are going to give you money because they love you. Now, those people may not understand that the money is illiquid and even if you tell them they might lose it, where you can often get into trouble is that the business is doing okay or even doing well, but you don't have the cash flow to give them back their 50 grand, right? Or even five grand. And they don't understand why. And that can lead to a lot of friction. And this is true, especially with friends and family and even a lot of angel investors. So it would, uh, a lot of it is about expectations management. And I would have those discussions early on in your relationship. If you gave us this kind of money, do you understand this? And when would you need it back? And even if we do like this, you still probably won't get the money back, right? It, they got to hold for a long time. Venture type investments are, are lengthy. I'm part of Tech Coast Angels, which is uh, the, I think the largest angel group in uh, America. And the biggest return our group has ever had took 17 years. So I wasn't part of the group then, so I didn't get any, but 17 years, right? So this uh, actually happens uh, quite a lot um, the timelines. It always takes longer than you think, right? Of course, as the founder, you're the optimist, right? You are the cheerleader and the go-getter, and you're going to make it happen, dent the universe. Uh, and I'm here for you. I honestly am. I mean, literally, I am here for you. Um, but the, uh, the expectations of your friends and family who aren't in this world may be different, and that can lead to friction. Okay, well, that was a lot of talking. I uh, hope that was helpful and interesting to you. And uh, Don says, thanks, good advice. Oh, great, thanks, Don. Uh, so uh, good to see everybody. Thank you for being here. I'm sorry the chat didn't work today. I don't know what's going on with that. We'll look into that. But if you're watching this in the replays later, thanks also for watching. And please like and subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Let me say thank you again to our sponsors. There's Cake Equity which is a great platform for uh, managing your startup uh, stock option plans and capitalization tables. And it's actually free for the first, I think, up to five people. So it's really a good deal. And you can, there's a coupon code actually, which is this 20% off in addition, I think. So if that's useful to you, go check those folks out. They're a great resource. And then especially want to thank the Women's Business Center, which is a service for women founders. And um, they're a great partner of ours, and their logo looks like this. And their website is up, I think, finally. I'll have to add that. Uh, it's still a coming soon page, but it will be full of 
wonderful, helpful things for women uh, founders. And there are actually a network of women's business centers all across the United States that are paid for with your tax dollars. So please go take advantage of that, ladies. And it's part of the SBDC, I think, uh, Small Business Development Corporation, which is also your tax dollars. So if you haven't yet, look up SBDC or SCORE, which is the Service Corps of Retired Executives, and the Women's Business Centers in your areas. This is for my American uh, viewers. And there's lots of resources for early stage founders. And um, they'd be happy to see you. And we're happy to have them and uh, appreciate all the hard work from those folks. So there you have it. That's Startup Office Hours for March. Uh, no, it's not March. It's February, February 28th, 2023. Thanks for being here. I'm Scott Fox. I'm your host and the founder of the Startup Council and uh, your, your friend uh, trying to help you make it large in the startup world. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.